And I remember talking to a friend in the past up in New York, and he said, man, you know it's so easy down south, right? Everyone has a biblical foundation. And I literally laughed in his face and said, man, it's so much easier in New York City. I share the gospel is so much easier in places like London and Portland, San Francisco, in Philadelphia, because you know what? There, you don't have to spend two years convincing somebody they ain't saved. And I got to get them unsaved to get them actually saved. I don't care if your grandma plays the organ, there's no plus ones in heaven. You know, the A.W. Tozer will say, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Worship is pure or based as the worship of entertainers, high or low thoughts about God. And you know, sometimes when you read about theology or talk about doctrine, you can conjure up these ideas of you know, these theologians and their ivory towers, right? These scholars who just sit there and they never interact with the real world. Yet theology is just theo God, ology, the scriptures you study about. Right? Everyone you pass on the street is a theologian. If you've ever thought about God, even if that thought is ain't real, you're a theologian. So now that we know that, as we look at God, we can't say, oh, I'm not a theologian. It doesn't matter. The question now becomes, are you going to be a good one or a bad one? Father, grandfather, are you going to be, as a theologian of your family, going to be a good one like moms, when your kids come and speak to you about questions, a good one or a bad one, kids when your friends at school wrestle, a good one or a bad one. And in case you think I'm maybe beating a drug dealer, right up, looking at like the bar of the stats that are very interesting. When you polling people who consider themselves practicing Christian, it's interesting that Christian and practicing Christian are different categories, right? So for the people who consider themselves practicing Christians, right? 61% agree with ideas that are rooted not in Christianity, but in paganism and new spirituality. 54 resonate with postmodernist views. 36 accept ideas that are associated with pure Marxism. 29 believe ideas that are more based on secularism. 38% are sympathetic to Muslims. Not in itself. And only 17% of people in regular government consider the practicing Christians to church residents. I'll say, man, maybe that number needs to be a lot smaller than what it is. And as we're looking at certain things that are taught and believed in our world, we have to fight back with what's true. Fighting 28% of practicing Christians strongly, very strongly agree. But all people pray to the same God as Spirit, no matter what name they use. Right? That's not gospel, that's AA. And I get AA can help the people, but you can go to hell soon. Why do they forget these practicing Christians, the words that were spoken by Peter and John in Acts 4, verses 12 and 13? Right? When they said, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builder, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. No other name in heaven is given among men by which we must be saved. No other name. But Christ does not allow himself to be grouped with these other gods. I remember when I was in India, I was just sharing the gospel with this little street man. I was just walking about three weeks. I walked by to my street food for lunch every day. 
I'm sure the gospel in his country is able to find it. I want to be a Christian, though. I was so excited. And I walked back the next day, and he still had his little incense things set up. He still had his idol, but he just went to like the Catholic store and put Jesus next to him. I said, no, man, they don't work that way. Now, praise God, he did throw those other demon statues away in Minnesota on his own foundation. Like so many in the American church, like we made it Jesus that looks like us, right? And so here's a little witness test. If the Jesus you worship loves everyone you love, love, and he hates everyone you hate, he's not the Jesus of the Bible, he's the Jesus of your own imagination. Right? We love little baby Jesus, right? We want we don't like King Jesus. Right? Look, he, he he affirms everything I do, right? The sins I struggle with, he says aren't a big deal. The sins you struggle with, he says are the ones you can watch out for. Right? Those in the world who go, that's why we have Republican Jesus and Democrat Jesus, right? That's why we have, you know, I mean, there's so many, oh, the Jesus for this and the Jesus for that, right? Well, my Jesus says, right, there isn't my Jesus, there is the Jesus. And we're about to get to here where Jesus will be co-opted. I don't care which side of the aisle you're on, they're going to co-opt Jesus. And just a king is not going to endure someone running for a blessing. That he raises them up and brings them down by his pleasure. Uh, the late Tim Keller, he planted a church in New York City, and he wrote this. I hope you're telling yes. And he's there in New York, and you know, a lot of people in New York, they're, they're not just unchurched, they're deep church. They grew up and they left. They walked away, their church started paying. He would often ask and he wrote about these conversations. He described the God you rejected. Describe the God you don't believe in, because maybe, just maybe, I don't believe in that God either. And one of the reasons I said, let's do this scripture we pray together, let's memorize scripture, let's have this series, is okay, let's make sure that the Jesus we talk about is the Jesus of the book, because there's a lot of false Jesuses out there. And that's not including people who claim to be him in one now in Africa, who claims to be Christ in the flesh for good and Christ said, those that say to you, Christ is Christ. And I come to that. Further in the study, this Barnabas found out 32% of those who identify as Christians strongly agree. I could have added agree and strongly agree, just strongly agree. 32% say if you do good, you will receive good. If you do bad, you will receive bad. They believe in the Hindu teaching of now, I believe you sow what you read. There's some Proverbs that are there. But this is talking about eternally. This is talking about the state of our souls. And honestly, so much of that is seeped into the church. Like how often we hear someone struggling, we hear God helps those who helps themselves. Where in Ephesians 2, 1 to 9, we get told in the picture. St. Paul, when he was talking about what's deserved, what's earned, he wrote this. When we were dead in the trespasses and sins in which we once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit is now at work in the sun of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passion of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, or by nature, children of all that, like the rest of mankind. But wait, what do we talk about? Is it, oh, how are you a Christian? Why are you a Christian? If you're 18, you want always been one, and you probably ain't one. 
right? Like no one's born, I mean, you may be born Muslim, and you can be born a Jew, you can be born a Hindu, you can't be born a Christian. Praise God, you can be born into the covenant community, you can be born into the church, not because God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Like, it is the God who reached it. It's all of grace. It's not karma. We don't get to that last day of judgment and hope that maybe, just maybe, my good outweighs my bad. We don't go like the ancient Egyptians and say, look, my heart weighs less than a feather, and goodness gracious, I don't know anyone's heart that weighs less than a feather. It must be a heavy feather. Like, one of the things that makes Christianity so scandalous is that every other man-made religion says you'll be judged, there'll be a scale on that last day, and it's going to be good or bad, what outweighs the other. And honestly, it's offensive to us when Christ comes and says, yeah, you're so bad, the scale's going to work. If I gave all your good at ten times multiplier, you would still be damned. So I'm telling you to have my righteousness. That you'd be covered in my blood. That it was by my name that you will be saved. Amen. And I said, something means that there's, there's nothing to have an account for. I don't know. One verse that terrifies me, especially <coughs> since I've been here with y'all, the St. James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote in the very first verse of chapter 3, not many should desire to become teachers, my brothers, do you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. How do you accountable for everything said from this pulpit as long as I am a pastor? And that includes the words I say and the people I give a microphone to. Right? If I was in the front here and they, they say something, and I'm not accountable for that, it seems unjustly like. Again, I'm no fool. I'll be brought into heaven for a period and then a resurrection by new heaven, new earth forever. That's all of Christ. But my reward that I get is based on the things I do. So even the words of Christ in Matthew 12, 36, whatever is, I tell you on the day of judgment, people are going to count for every curious word they speak. And so there is this judgment, but that's not our getting into heaven, does it? And if you're worried about that reward, I want the biggest hands, I want to see God want. See me, I want to have, I want to have the smallest rebuke, I want the largest reward, and I want to be able to give Jesus more than you give Jesus. That's my view, right? But that's going. At 31%, okay, and this is practicing Christians. These aren't the people that are even on the mark. These are people who identify with our faith. 31% percent believe that our works are directly tied to our salvation. But we just read Ephesians, so I gotta skip over that one. I can read it again. Like that passage I just read could be a sermon series the last two years. Y'all want that. But Galatians 2 6 says, we know a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one can be justified. Like Jay says, if you break one, you break them all. So sometimes we want to speak little of grace and we want to talk about holiness. And okay, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. I'm going to hold myself up because you don't want to admit how bad you really are and how bad even those small things actually make. 
If I had the time and I don't, I would read all of Romans 4. Go and read it. Paul talks about Abraham being justified by faith. And just in case you go, oh, well, it's faith. You have to muster that faith. Go look up Philippians 1, 29, where it says, For to you have been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, to suffer him. Or the very beginning of 2 Peter, he says, Those who have received faith, or Acts 3.16, where Peter says, And on the basis of faith in his name, in the name of Jesus, which has strengthened this man who you see and know, and the faith which comes through him, and has given him this perfect gift, this gift. In Acts 13.48, like Paul calls these people to repentance, you see there's many who are come before, and they respond to the gospel call, and they are in that moment, in that flash of an eye, right, they're regenerated, they're justified, they're converted, they're adopted into the family of God, but yet, when the Holy Spirit reminds Luke to write these words and recount the story, Acts 13, 48, and the Gentiles heard this and began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and the Lord and appointed to eternal life, and we just really got that gift of faith. Even the faith you have God gives us, we just give back. Now, almost one quarter of practicing Christians, 23 percent, strongly, not even strongly agree that what is morally right or wrong depends upon an individual's personal belief. I could give you an old joke if everyone says, or just slap that person. I believe that's right. I think most people think. Forget? Do they not read their Bible? Do they not memorize Scripture? Do they forget that Jesus Himself said, I am the way to the truth. No one can come to the Father but through me. See, people that make Jesus out as this guy got killed for being nice don't read the words they read. In closing, right? You look at Paul, right? And he knows his life is coming. He knows he's headed back to Jerusalem, and this is his death mark. But when you see what is that Christ set his eyes towards Jerusalem, he's marching towards his death in the same way that Paul sets his eyes to Jerusalem, who knows that he's going to appeal to him. When he appeals to Caesar, but that appeal to from his death. And he speaks to his elders at Ephesus, right? He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and all the flock which the Holy Spirit has made you understand. To care for the church of God to came by his own blood. Because I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in amongst you, not sparing the flock. And from your own selves, men will arise, speaking twisted things. Hey guys, this isn't a new thing. Right? Like crazy stuff they found in the church isn't new. Okay, I remember a seminary paper. We had to uh, take one of the church. Pharisees that were studying in the first 300 years and find a popular preacher that was preaching now. And I can tell you, uh, finding one wasn't a problem. It was, you know, that was one of the few papers I didn't have to get on one account, but I had to cut myself off from that. So there. Or from that Roman cell after Paul's in prison, he writes to Timothy. And you know Timothy was the pastor of Ephesus. And he writes to Pastor Timothy at Ephesus. He warns these elders and he reminds Timothy again, pay close attention to your life and your teaching, life and doctrine, preserving these things, for in doing this you will save both yourself and your people. So what? 
you're fighting it tomorrow. If you feel like you've been fighting it and losing it so bad that you're in the trenches, you can't even put up your head like coming forward and taking this sin of the, the very presence of Christ is here at the table and it's like calling in that airstrike so you can get up and advance. I would also say there's a difference in getting in losing a fight and having a peace treaty with you. Maybe you're someone who had a peace treaty with instead. Don't come and take the table here and keep that peace treaty. But maybe if you've had it and you feel the spirit of victory that I don't want to live that way anymore. Or then maybe that declaration of war is coming up and taking and saying, Look, Christ, I want to live your life, your way, you're the king. So as uh, our women are ushering come forward and get ready to take this together. Yes, examine your heart, but also examine the very heart of Christ. Because so often, as Tony's are saying, let's start in front. And as women go ahead and come forward. Uh, what we said there in that beginning, when we think about God, the most important thing about when we think about God, we see this angry guy in the sky who's ready to drop the hammer like a drunk, step out of the step out of line. Or do you see that loving father that we see Christ talk about in the story of the trial that runs to you every time you try to make it home and doesn't even let you finish your I'm sorry speech. So meditate on that as we go. Come as you're ready.